Okay. Go. Welcome to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado here in wonderful Colorado Springs. We're here at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak, and we're here, of course, with language guru Tom Alsop, who has a marvelous guest to share wonderful things with us today. Good morning, Tom. Buenos dias. Buenos dias, Margarita. Um, buenos dias, oyentes. Uh, bonjour. Uh, uh, good morning. Uh, Buongiorno. Eh? So, good morning to all of you. This is Tom's World Language Cafe coming to you live from Avon, Indiana, where the temperature is about 70 degrees on a beautiful spring day here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Really, I live near there, but um, and it is now approximately 11 o'clock in the morning in um, in Colorado Springs. It's nine o'clock, and the temperature in Guadalajara, where our guest is at the moment. It, the, the temperature at the time is 10 o'clock in Guadalajara, Mexico. So we're actually coming to you from three different venues, right? Avon, Indiana, Guadalajara, Mexico, and Colorado Springs, Colorado. Thank so, goodness pleasure. for technology. Yes, we have technology. It's a pleasure uh, to be here with uh, um, um, Dr. Marge Miscry, um, whom uh, uh, we all know very, very well. And uh, it's just a delight to be here with her doing this program. She's at the foot of Pikes Peak, if you've never been there. Uh, Come on down. Come on down. Not a problem. Come on down. Give her a visit, okay? Juan Pablo, you're invited on your way back from Guadalajara. Just passed through Colorado. We're cousins just about. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm familiar with uh, the area, so it's very nice. Good. Um, what, one of the other things I would like to do is thank the University of Colorado and Colorado Springs uh, for making the broadcast possible in the online radio programs at UCCS Radio. So we hope you tune in. We're going to have a show on every two weeks. And uh, join us and check out our other programs that we've done as well. We did one live from Barcelona, Spain last summer, and we are planning one uh, in July, a live program that we're going to uh, present and produce in, in Madrid and España. Eh? So, um, without further ado, I would like to present to you our guest today, Juan Pablo Rodriguez. Juan Pablo is from Palencia, España, Palencia, Spain, not Valencia, Palencia, which is in the uh, wonderful province of Valladolid, and uh, where they speak very, very beautiful Spanish. And we'll start off and we'll say a few things in Espanol, then we'll get back to English because we know that most of our listeners are all languages and our program is about all languages. So, Juan Pablo, ¿nos puede decir algo de tu ciudad y tu familia, verdad? ¿Y qué hay de nuevo allá que ha pasado en España recientemente y antes también? ¿Ok? Hola, pues buenos días. Encantado de poder contribuir con el programa un poquito. Uh, una cosita alto que Valencia no es de la provincia de Valladolid, es en Castilla y León. Valladolid es la capital de la provincia, pero sí, estamos en, en la región de, de Castilla y León. Y siempre hay una pequeña confusión entre Valencia y Valencia, y si yo vengo de Valencia, que es más pequeñita, pero uh, es una ciudad también bonita. Eh, y de hecho, eh, desde que salí hace 10 años, siempre han estado mejorando la ciudad, poco a poco, y cada vez que regreso veo nuevas mejoras, eh, tanto en la calle Mayor, en muchas áreas de la ciudad, más jardines, um, y se la conoce la, la ciudad como eh, la bella desconocida, porque está entre dos ciudades que son muy famosas por sus catedrales, como es León y Burgos, pero también la Catedral de Valencia es interesante porque tiene tres diferentes estilos mezclados en una misma catedral y también tiene obras importantes de arte eh, y una cripta visigoda. 
y, y bueno, eh, inicialmente se le llamaba a lo que es eh, la catedral La Bella Desconocida y hoy en día es, eh, toda la ciudad se le conoce así, eh, como La Bella Desconocida. Y famosa es el Cristo del Otero, que está como bendiciendo a la ciudad y es el Cristo, eh, la estatua de Cristo más grande después de la de Río de Janeiro, en Brasil. Bueno, eh, gracias Juan Pablo. Ahora eh, me gustaría si ya quisiera que ya si pudiera poner todo en, en inglés, ¿bien? ¿Ok? Un, un resumen en inglés de lo que has dicho, ¿verdad? Porque es que Juan Pablo habla muy bien en inglés también. Ok, bien. Bueno, estamos uh -huh. invitados a Palencia, por supuesto, ¿no? Un día yes. de estos. Yes, Pasado bueno, mañana como... puede ser. Good. I'm looking forward. Adelante. Yeah, it's a, I, I was saying that uh, it was a very nice city and that it's not the unknown beauty because uh, it's a small city, but it's a, a nice one. So everyone is welcome to visit Palencia with P. Wonderful. That sounds good. I'm looking forward. Juan Pablo, um, what about um, your family? Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I was born in a big family because I have uh, four brothers. We are five in total. And we always lived in Valencia and Villavieco, a small uh, village also in the, uh, in the region of Valencia. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I was uh, raised with also my grandma during the summers. Uh, she passed away already, but I was living with her a lot during the, my childhood. And uh, nowadays, my brother has a, a nephew and a niece, so I'm very happy that when I visit to Spain, I can talk to them and actually see how they're growing little by little. So basically, that's my fun. But all of a sudden, from Palencia to Indianapolis, how did that happen? Miracle. Well, yeah, <laughs> originally, I only had in mind to go to the United States for a master's. Uh, but then I realized about the many opportunities for studying and teaching, and I just continued from there. Uh, once I finished the master's, I saw very nice opportunities for PhDs. So I applied, I got accepted, and after I finished my degree, um, I realized that it was also uh, quite easy to apply for a job and uh, get experience teaching. So I just continued. Everything went uh, smoothly from one <laughs> it's the study or program to the next thing and eventually to teaching. I'm wondering what it's like to be a colleague of Tom Alsop. It must be very exciting for you two to work together. Yeah, that's actually a very nice opportunity and uh, I'm very grateful that he also asked me to contribute with him for some of his works. So I'm very happy about that. There's something special about the man, don't you think, Juan Pablo? Something is very special about Tomás. Impossible sometimes, but special at the same time, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's always busy and having new creative materials and things to do. That's right. Uh, what, one of the, the things I want to mention here at the beginning is Juan um, Pablo is a professor of linguistics at Butler University uh, where we both work, and he's uh, has a PhD in linguistics from University of Florida, so he is an incredible expert in the Spanish language. Just an incredible, incredible expert in language, uh, the, the language of uh, Spanish, and he also is a very uh, wonderful uh, strategist and interested in teaching strategies for languages and uh, uh, a kind of a rare person sometimes at the college level because. Sometimes people don't pay a lot of attention as much as, and not near as much as Juan Pablo does, to teaching techniques. And he really loves uh, teaching techniques. Um, Juan Pablo, why did you become um, a language teacher, right? I mean, why, why would you want to teach a, a, a language? And, and a language that became, uh, for you, teaching a foreign language, right, in, in another mm -hmm. country? Mm -hmm. Yeah, originally, uh, when I was studying in Spain, I wanted to be a teacher of English because once I got more proficient with the language, uh, I really enjoyed in the classroom environment to teach the language. But in my studies at the, the West Virginia University, the master's, I had the opportunity to teach uh, English uh, as well as Spanish. English as practice for my courses for the TESOL degree and Spanish 
as a way of, uh, of being able to cover the expenses of the, of the degree. And he realized a big difference that um, in this country, of course, it didn't make sense to me to teach English. <laughs> um, and I realized that while teaching Spanish, it was really, really very interesting because, interesting because the, uh, I can share much more than just the language. I could share with the students traditions or expression from my country or specific vocabulary differences or differences in pronunciation course and videos from my city it was uh, something completely different um, and with English in, in my practices during the degree I realized I was lacking in confidence in terms of the English language I knew most of the things but sometimes I had to double check everything with native speakers so for me uh, the opportunity to have more confidence as well as share other things on top of uh, language really made a difference and I really really enjoyed teaching with, um, with the students who were interested in my culture. Now, so that, that, yeah. Yeah. do you have a special memory or any memories that stand out in your language teaching career? Any classroom experiences that, that were kind of funny or different that, that you might share of people learning another language? Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes, for example, this is an anecdote, is that uh, you have to be cautious and understand also the, uh, the, the culture where you're teaching. Because once I was drawing, for example, on the blackboard, on the whiteboard, um, uh, the uh, encapuchados de Semana Santa, and uh, that can cause uh, some problems with, uh, with, the, with this culture here. They, they thought they could represent something like the focus plan, and I was really, really embarrassed, and I felt very bad about it. But I had it, that was another opportunity to share with the students. You know, this is nothing to do with what's happening here. It's a tradition in Spain that is during Easter. Um, this is uh, to to get these nice statues from uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in the streets. Blah blah blah. So it was also uh, an experience for me when I was teaching. And in terms of um, Teaching lately, what I uh, really like is the course uh, Spanish phonetics, because at the beginning of the semester, uh, I asked the students to record their voices, uh, how they talk in Spanish spontaneously, and then during the semester we cover specific aspects in which they have sometimes um, bad pronunciation or typical mistakes, and then I make them to record again uh their uh spontaneously a conversation or a description of something and they they have to assess their improvement and it's really amazing how they improve and how much awareness they have about the pronunciation now they can say well uh, in my first recording now i'm listening again to that uh, i realized about my aspirations in the initial p or t and now i'm i'm conscious about that and i'm trying not to do it so it's really nice to see that not only they improve, but they also uh, uh, can uh, know in advance what they should try to prevent in their target language. So it's really uh, right. good. Now, I have another uh, question about, I have two questions about Spain. Um, what would you tell the listeners about Two, but let's say you had to say the top three reasons to visit Spain. What would you name those three reasons? Why people should visit Spain? Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, first would be the daily life. It's really different and interesting for them uh, to see how during the day, what are the typical things in the country. Let's say uh, people usually go to purchase the bread for fresh every day and they walk to purchase that. It's uh, usually in, a, in your own neighborhood and you know the person, uh, so you can talk to the, the tender. And also um, the siesta time after lunch, the lunch times which are different to Spain. Um, for example, everything is closed, all, the, all shops, banks, everything from two to four. And uh, so it's a different way of life and uh, that daily life routines, uh, which are different to, to American life, um, I think it's interesting to, to see and experience them. Also, I guess uh, food is something that um, for the students will be very different. Sometimes they may like it, sometimes they may not. 
Um, but I think there is a, a wider variety of options if you go to different bars and restaurants in, in each city. Uh, and also, depending on the uh, on the time of the year, there are specific desserts or speci specific dishes that are not always uh, available. For example, my favorite is Roscon de Reyes, which is oh, only yeah. on the 6th of January. So I have to wait the whole year to try to and eat it. <laughs> so that's something they can uh, realize about. And uh, if they go during summertime, I think that festivities in every small village, in most of the cities, they have their festivities with lots of folklore, traditions, parades, and uh, sometimes very weird festivities for them. <laughs> but it's, uh, I think it's very nice to experience. Now, my next question on Spain is, uh, throughout Europe, uh, the economic crisis has yeah. been very difficult. What would you say in Spain uh, now, now? They have a new uh, a government, a new president. Uh, what's going to happen there? Is, are things going to, is it going to take a while longer to get things back the way they should be or what? I think the main problem that Spain usually has and it's having is the unemployment. The unemployment rate is uh, very high, and uh, lately it's uh, extremely high. I think it's about 25% of unemployment. And uh, the problem is the young generation, uh, people who graduate, uh, even with the studies, uh, they can't get to find a nice job or, or a job which is secure. So I think that's the, the main issue. And uh, I think uh, that should be the very first priority of uh, any any person in charge of, of the country. So uh, we don't really know, but I think it will take a while to, to recover. But um, the emphasis should be first and foremost um, on employment needs. I think it's yeah. not good. Now I'm going back to the teaching strategies again, etc. Now. What's the difference between applied linguistics and linguistics? And um, could you enlighten us on that? Mm -hmm. It really depends who you talk to, because some people only um, think that applied linguistics is second language acquisition. Uh, but I think the term is broader. It can include other areas, such as uh, translation, or social linguistics, or pragmatics. It really depends who you talk uh, to. And uh, for me particularly, I don't like making many distinctions. I think it's a part of the linguistics branch, so it doesn't really matter whether you call it a second acquisition area or uh, applied linguistics. Um, but yeah, it would be an area in which you apply the knowledge of the study of language to a specific um, area for more practical use. Um, the area I'm interested in second language acquisition, so I'm interested in how students acquire second language while they are adults, and once they have a very well-established language, how is it uh, that they are able to integrate new information? Um, so that's my area of interest, and for me, it's part of linguistics. Other, other researchers may think, well, that's not truly linguistics, but I think we're all part of the same family of researchers. Yeah, I know that you did. Uh, you recently did a, a, a student project on where they had to make their own video. What was that about in in your class? Yeah, what I have in mind is that uh, instead of just writing a composition and uh, grade it and that's about it, I thought that it would be nice that the composition would turn into the script of a video. So they not only write the composition but also. Uh, rewrite it, reformulate it, and once we, they have a very nice script, they will act it out. Uh, so they can memorize some lines or rehearse a little bit, and it's not just write something and get it great. It's something they will be able to, to share uh, with the class uh, through a video. And actually, it's always amazing every semester that you can see how creative they can get. I had a couple of students who uh, created a clay animation uh, video, which was a uh, very hard work, and I was thinking that maybe they were not be able to uh, finish it in time, but they did it, and the quality was really, really nice. And uh, other semesters, I had some students singing song, and sometimes they even create their own song, and it's, it's 
sometimes really amaze me how much time and effort they put into something that originally is just uh, an extra task after the, the composition is written. So this is a great idea. Great. I have a question, if I could, Tom. My, my question is this. We have on the high school level and on the college level uh, courses that begin with grammar and a little bit of composition, and then they jump a huge bridge, and then the classes become literature classes, so that mm -hmm. the students from the beginning are learning communicative language and asking daily, everyday kinds of things, and then all of a sudden, they jump to another form of the language, which would be un understanding and interpreting literature. Many of these mm -hmm. universities do not have linguistics programs. So mm -hmm. what would you say if you were marketing linguistics as a crucial piece of, of second language learning? What would you tell to the people who are looking to strengthen their programs, both in the high school area as well as in the college area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I really don't understand why always the uh, foreign language departments have literature, uh, but I think uh, there is a new trend moving to opening more about the linguistics area. For example, Butler three years ago didn't have any course on linguistics, and now there is usually some variety every semester. And I know other um, classmates from the University of Florida, uh, they graduated and they're going to different colleges and they themselves are creating the, the, the area of linguistics. So I think there is a trend in uh, broadening the, the area of the study of, of, of Spanish in this case. And I think it's really interesting, as I was mentioning um, uh, about the, the case of the Spanish phonology, it's a course that usually students are reluctant to take but once they finish the this, this semester, they are really, really grateful and say, I wish I had this course before, so exactly. many yeah. semesters before. And uh, um, another peer at Butler University is doing dialectology, uh, talking about the differences in why in Chile is different than in Colombia or in Mexico. And students, uh, some of them traveled, some of them did not. Uh, but they start to be aware of, uh, of these differences and, and value them. So uh, I think these are two examples of, of um, linguistics courses that uh, is not just for the sake of the study of language, it will help them in their uh, acquisition of the foreign language and being more what we call uh, competent uh, communicatively. There is a notion of communicative competence. Uh, which is not only knowing the language, but also being able to correctly and appropriately uh, communicate with a, a native speaker you are in front of. So uh, by being aware that there is a boss, bossel, for example, in most Central American, uh, they will be more competent in the foreign language. When they address uh, someone from Central America, now they know there are different ways of addressing people. And, and of course, the bosotros, right? Juan Pablo and I talk about that because it seems that some teachers uh, refuse uh, refuse to teach the Mosotros form and the Latin American uh, side, for example, and which is kind of silly because it's kind of nice to know that sure. uh, in Spain things are a little different, you know, and that, that's mm -hmm. used all the time in Spain. I would like to bring up another topic here that Marge, you kind of opened up the topic here. Juan Pablo doesn't know this, but Marge is quite a, a teaching strategist and she's always interested in new things. And so I read all of Tom's books, that's how that happened. Okay. <laughs> anyway, one of the one of the things I, I was gonna mention, Juan Pablo and I talk about this, and Marge we talk about it in a different uh, way, but Juan Pablo and I also deal with this a lot. And that is why is it in these textbooks, the college textbook, uh, and, and probably no matter what course it is, literature, grammar, linguistics, whatever, the, int the way that students are asked to enter into conversations with the activities in the book or the exercises, many times it's way too difficult. And so the student gets frustrated and uh, and I bring that up because I think it hurts the enrollment sometimes in language classes eventually, because the difficulty level is, is not, uh, it's too hard. And maybe sometimes some of the entry level 
conversation activities that are done should be a little bit easier or easier for the students to get involved in to, to speak. And does that make sense? What I'm Absolutely, saying? right. As a matter of fact, the, a lot of times the grammatical components do not jibe with the way usually people speak. Usually the two form is what's used primarily, not the yo and the el form. It's very interesting. And I'm hoping that Juan Pablo can hear us. It looks to me as if he got lost here, but we're, let's see if, can you get him back, Tom? We'll give it a shot, yes. Okay, good, wonderful. Yeah. Looks like he's loading, I hope. That's great. But I think that that is really very true. And basically, we just need to start with the way people begin to speak. And that is using the to form always. I'm hoping that um, if anybody's interested in learning a little bit more about linguistics, that Juan Pablo can give us some um, interesting texts that we might be able to look at and uh, take just just peruse for a bit. And then the second thing would be to discover places where linguistics are taught in a really fine fashion. So hopefully Juan Pablo will be able to tell us that. In the well, and it looks like we've lost our connection there. Mm -hmm. um, I see that. Um, um, we're trying, I know you're trying to get him. Um, I'll sit back and it says call failed, but we'll, I think we'll be in good shape in a minute. You can keep trying. I'd like to remind the listeners at this point, though, that we are tuned to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado here in Colorado Springs, uccs.edu. We're located at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak, and we're communicating with a man who is in Majestic, Indiana, uh, right about uh, uh, near Butler University, but not right in the middle of Butler right now. I can see his books in the background. And I think Tom has created approximately 327 books. Am I correct? I, some, somewhere in that neighborhood, right. yes. And now we're adding videos and digital and DVD and various and sundry things to it. Uh, so I'm very uh, happy to tell them uh, that. Juan Pablo, we have lost our Internet connection. He was in Guadalajara in Mexico with a, a student program that Butler University sponsors. And... Uh, for whatever reason, we've lost our connection, uh, and uh, so we will just um, hope that we get it back. Oh, here he comes back. Hold Great. On. I hear a duck. Is there a duck? <laughs> there is a duck. So here we, here we Okay. Good, good. Are you back? He's trying, I think. Yeah, the call is on hold, Tom, according to what I see, so we'll try to keep him... Uh, online with us at the moment. Are you there? I hope you are. I can hear a few things. I had a question to ask Tom and uh, hopefully Tom can hear me. My question is uh, talk about creativity and what makes for a creative writer and teacher in the world language classroom. I don't know, Tom, if you can hear me, but I'm hoping that you can answer that question for us. We're on hold. I'm calling Tom at the moment. These things do happen. I'm sorry to say. We'll keep trying for you. Once again, we are online with UCCS Radio, and we're talking with Tom Alsop and Juan Pablo Rodriguez Palencio. I hear somebody. There you go, Tom. I was asking a question. Can you, uh, did you hear the question that I asked about creativity at all? I see you have up and disappeared for a moment. Here, we're going to look at our contacts. I'm going to call Tom and see if that okay. works. I'm here. Oh, are you there? Good, good. We would, I was just talking with the listeners about... Okay. See if I can get one pop Okay, good. While you're doing that, I'll ask you this question. Um, the definition, your definition of creativity, I think he's coming back on the line. And, and um, what do you think makes for a creative writer and teacher? Ah, Juan Pablo, bienvenido uh -huh. otra vez. Something happened. 
<laughs> well, that that's fine, and we're we're gonna move on, and we Great. just uh, you know we just roll on here in uh, at world at the World Language Cafe, and uh, we're just delighted that we're in three geographic locations, thousands of miles apart, and uh, that we're able to do this live. Uh, I, I wanted to, I mentioned that you were down at uh, in Guadalajara, Mexico, with the Butler University program, uh, and um, you want to talk to us a little bit about that program? Yes, of course. Um, this year it is directed by Dr. Quintanilla, and uh, it's every summer that a group of students uh, come to Guadalajara to experience uh, language for three weeks. And what I really, really like about this program is that they are really immersed in the culture. They are every single day talking with the speakers. They meet at 9 a.m. in the morning uh, at the Pepe. Uh, and then they are assigned one tutor and they will travel to different places to the city. They will go to museums, they will go to the downtown area, they will go to cafes and uh, they're uh, really one-on-one -on -one talking with the native speaker and every day they change their tutors so they will get used to the mexican uh, experience and i think it's really really nice uh this program because they don't just go to the country but they are with the native speakers and also they live with families so the experience is uh, 24 hours every immersion the country it is a wonderful wonderful program and i'm going to skip to the next question uh, and that is Juan Pablo. What would you what would you say creativity is? What is your definition of creativity? And then the second part of the question: What makes for a creative writer and teacher in the world language classroom? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, creativity is when you allow the students or the professors to develop their own um, creations in the language. Uh, it, it really depends on. Um, what level they are, but you will allow the students to use their knowledge and through their skills and interests uh, to create something new for the class and maybe share it. And that's why at the uh, intermediate levels, uh, I'm really using the videos, for example, because uh, they can use the language for um, doing something new. I don't have a topic in mind. Uh, I don't say all of you need to do an interview or something like that. You are free to do whatever you want. Uh, so some of them uh, like uh, to do cooking, others uh, like to do their plain animations, others uh, prefer to sing a song and show how well they play their guitars. Uh, it's really interesting to see how they mix uh, their hobbies and interests with uh, the use of the pens. Um, that's uh, what I really like uh, in the classroom, to allow them to, to create something with, with the language. Yes. I'm, I'm wondering, uh, Juan Pablo, if I may ask you this, what was the absolutely greatest surprise you ever had in a classroom from a student? What was the most surprising thing that a student ever did to perform or create in your class that just mm -hmm. blew you away? It was actually a couple of years ago uh, while I was teaching in Boston University. Uh, I asked them to do the videos, and a couple of those, really, I couldn't believe them. One of them, they used uh, a, a visual effects, and it was really, I, I wasn't expecting that much quality. Um, they were, uh, it was a little bit violent, <laughs> they had some blood and other things, but it was so well done that uh, I couldn't believe that was uh, um, done by them. And also, a, a group also sing a song. Uh, but at the beginning, I thought it was a playback, and I was really mad in the first lines, like, oh, no, you, you should sing yourself, you know? It's nothing like you put a song and then uh, gesticulate or anything like that. But after a while, I realized, no, it's the student actually singing one song from Alex Subago. I had to really, really pay close attention to the pronunciation, and I realized about the very small mistakes in the R's, which were pronounced like a kind of an American way, but the rest was so perfect that I thought it was the original singer. So uh, I think they spent so much time practicing and rehearsing that they got, uh, they got me tricked. I didn't, I didn't know at the beginning it was their experience. Marge, what would you say creativity is? 
I think it's just basically allowing yourself to know that there are no limits to what a person can create. And each class is different. Each class has a different psychology. Each class has a different culture. And some classes respond very well to kinesthetic activities. Some people prefer to work alone. You just have to really know what the makeup of the class is and go with that and make sure that everybody in the class has been touched at one point or another during each class period, not just once a week. Because people will tune you out if they're thinking, oh, all this person wants to do is work in groups, or all this person wants to do is listen to uh, a, a radio program, or watch an, a video program. That, that's not the way I work. So every student should basically be approached in his own or her own way. That's, I think, what it is. And basically, uh, in my last semester right now, I, I'm in awe of some of the things that the students have created. We were to do some work with great works of art that called our attention, that me llamó la atención kind of thing. And some people brought in Picasso, some people brought, another student brought in Frida Kahlo, and so forth and so on. But other people brought in things that even Botero, which was very surprising to me because of the, uh, the issues that Botero brings to his graphic representation of his people, uh, really was magnificent. Also, they wanted to do something that I think Juan Pablo touched on just a bit ago, and that is to create their own dynamic uh, scenarios, whether it be soap operas or scenes, interactional scenes, dialogues, scenes from a very special movie where they've put the words in, in Spanish. As a matter of fact, I've taken clips of very famous films and had the students supply the words in Spanish to those famous films. And they did a marvelous job on that case. Now, would you want to tell the listeners uh, the importance of Botero and, and where's, where he's from? Well, Botero is a Colombian painter uh, still living, who paints uh, people in larger-than-life uh, format. Uh, all of his people are large. Um, I, I guess you would call them Pillsbury Doughboy people. <laughs> they're extremely large, and they're, they're obese is what they are. But it's part of his, his work ab about making a comment about the society in which he's living, where people have so much but yet they seem to be giving so little. It seems to be a, a social critique of, of his culture at this particular point in time. And he's there, laughing also at us all. There, there is a beautiful museum in Bogota, Colombia. Dedicated to him, right? Well, dedicated to him with some of his most famous works. And I was, had the good fortune of being there a couple of years ago, and I got to go in to see the museum, but it was it's a magnificent museum. And if you're ever in Bogota, Colombia, be sure to see the museum, uh, Botero. It's just magnificent. Um, so, Juan Pablo, what are your thoughts on today's world language classroom? Uh, what's really good about it and what needs to be improved in the classroom, language teaching? That's maybe a great not, question. Maybe, That's a maybe, great question. Maybe not just Spanish. Give us the answer, Juan Pablo. All, all languages. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's really difficult, but I think uh, it's very nice that at the college level they are required to take a world language because some students will just be there because they have to, but I think it's our task uh, to motivate them and uh, try to push them to continue their studies in, in the world language. Uh, for example, we don't have that in Spain where once you start your degree, there is no uh, language requirement. Uh, but uh, in the United States, we have the opportunity to try to convince them why it is important that they that just don't take this couple of semesters, but also they get interested in the culture and they get uh, motivated to, to travel also. Uh, I think uh, something that really needs to be in place in all institutions is uh, opportunities of uh, study abroad experiences. Uh, now that I'm here with the group of students, I'm realizing about how important it is for them to broaden their knowledge and uh, 
break all the stereotypes they have or they may have about the target culture. And I think it, uh, that's a, a good point that uh, institutions should have and uh, offer to, to the students the opportunity not just to take many courses about a specific language, but many options to travel abroad. So if you had to give three sentences to define a really, really good world language teacher, what would those three sentences be? Someone who's a really good, great world language teacher. Mm -hmm. I think the very first thing would be a caring person, uh, a, a person who really uh, tries to connect with the students at a personal level, uh, because you are talking with the students and uh, it's not just here it is the vocabulary, here it is the vocab you need to know, but also to be connected to them somehow, to understand what they're doing, why they're studying, how they feel today, uh, what are their goals for the future, and be there, uh, be supportive to all of all of their goals, not just in the foreign language, but also to uh, all, all, everything they do in their lives. Um, I think also a very good professor would be one who uh, motivates the students to continue, and I usually say that to my students in the, uh, the very first days of, of the semester, I say, in the, for example, two or four class, which is the last uh, requirement course for them, I say my goal is not that you learn this grammar or this vocab and that you pass it and that you go away. My goal is that after this, car, this class, you somehow get interested in the study of our program or that you are going to continue at least one more class and see what it feels like. Uh, and try to pursue a minor or a major or a double major. I will try to make you aware why you need to spend in your country today. And uh, that is my second even goal during the whole semester. Um, and also I think um, that a good professor would provide variety. As it was mentioned before, some students prefer to work alone, others prefer to work in groups, others prefer to write, others prefer to talk. So. I think our goal is to provide the, the greatest variety we can every day, not doing the same thing over and over, but trying to to provide uh, surprises every day and say, okay, today we're going to do this conversation practice and uh, that you will have to explain what is it that we're going, we're, we're doing today in class. Um, so I would say those, those points are important to, to me. So what about the use of technology in the classroom today with language teaching? Where do you think we're headed and how much technology do you think should be used versus live instruction where students interact uh, live socially uh, with one another uh, versus the, the computer and the artificial uh, intelligence situation? Mm -hmm. I think that uh, in a regular classroom, technology can help us uh, sometimes with uh, what we're doing. Uh, but I think the main um, dynamic in the classroom should be a professor and talking and uh, talking in groups because the language is about communication. So I don't believe that just working with the computer or completing some uh, tasks online can help you with that. Um, I think that being able to share your own experiences and talking really with, with people is what makes a, a whole difference. Uh, but I think that uh, this generation uh, was born and raised with technology around. Everything they do is mediated with technology. So I think that uh, our goal first should be know what we would like to teach or share with the students. And then if the technology can help us, then go ahead and use it that not putting the technology first and then trying to force everything else into the technology. So for example, uh, in the past I used many uh, pictures from magazines uh, to show vocabulary words and so on. Now technology allows me to put many more drawings and pictures into the screen and I can use that with PowerPoint slides, with new funny images that I wasn't able to find before. So. Uh, that, for example, is an opportunity. Uh, if I want to practice vocab or if I want them to talk something like, what would you say in this situation? Instead of having to describe the situation, I can have a very nice picture and I don't have to say a thing. They will have to say, what would you do if you were in that situation or how would you react? Uh, so I think uh, that's an example of how uh, using um, 
the technology uh, can help uh, into teaching, but you are not just using it because you have to use PowerPoint every day, for example. Something interesting too, Tom, I just heard a marvelous word the other day, and Juan Pablo, it would be interesting for you to respond to this. One of uh, my colleagues has adopted two young girls, little ones, from um, the East, well, I would say uh, from China, all right, the East, the Orient, and she wants them to become transnational, transnational. So they have Chinese lessons on the weekends, They speak her language, which her maternal language, her mother tongue is Portuguese. So they speak also Portuguese. They speak Spanish. They're taking French in elementary school. They're doing uh, folk dancing and all of the rest of it because, she, and they play the violin, both play the violin. They read actual texts from paper, not on a Kindle machine. And uh, they read the National Geographic and things like that. And they're, they're fantastic. They did some artwork which looked just like Juan Miro and his quizzical characters from his marvelous paintings. But she said that she wanted her little girls to be transnational, to just go over, over, over nations and become citizens of the world. Do you think that that happens in uh, classrooms throughout the United States? Mm, I think uh, there, there really needs to be a, a bigger push on, on that because uh, some of the students graduate without having traveled abroad and I think that's really important yeah. that they go, whether it is uh, by themselves or with family or the study of a program, Uh, they can remain in the country and uh, uh, not knowing about the culture. So I think uh, once they have a good level of the, of the language, I think the next step is to travel abroad. And some students usually tell me, oh, but I, I don't think I can travel. They will not, I will not be able to communicate much. And they are into the three, five, three, ten semester. And I say, yes, of course, once you have just some basic vocab, just some basic structures, you can go ahead and, and, and practice this pianist. Uh, it really doesn't matter, you don't have to be highly proficient to enjoy the culture. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that um, there really need to be a, a, a push uh, to the students to, to, to break their fears and uh, you know, to, to be brave and uh, experience the language. I think uh, that would be very good. Yes, and then sometimes, perhaps we could think of world cultures and uh, world languages, but maybe to take our time when we instruct students as well, so that in high school, middle school, uh, and college, maybe the programs need to be a little slower and work on more quality and more application of language, right? And, and, and give, give the teachers time to teach culture more you know, in mm -hmm. the class, to integrate culture, but to have time to do it. And uh, sometimes it's like we're in this track meet, we're running and we have to hurry up and get everything done. Exactly. Uh, and then yeah. the outcomes are not terribly impressive sometimes. So uh, it's something to think about the culture part that, that Marge is talking about and the huge, huge culture uh, footprint that uh, certainly could, uh, make a difference in our world um, and maybe prevent wars and everything else if, if, if we can think of taking time to learn about other cultures and, the, and maybe in language classes to include more of that, uh, more application. Juan Pablo talks about the video and the, the culture aspect that you've talked about in Marge as well, that those are huge items that perhaps when textbooks are done need to be overhauled and revamped a little bit to bring in the realities of things and, and, and talk about sharing cultures more uh, in the classroom, so uh, among the world. Um, so Juan Pablo, are you working on uh, any, what's your current thing you're, that you're working on? Do you have any projects you're working on? Yes, uh, I'm finishing a study about actually a couple of uh, uh, techniques for trying to 
improve reading compliance because um, there is a trend that the students uh, come less and less prepared to class. And I was thinking, why is it also happening in a foreign language when everything they have to read is really about a page? It's nothing more. When it's a grammar explanation or a vocabulary list, it's usually one or two pages, not more. And uh, I tried to use a couple of uh, technology uses or technology tools, which are where they is kind of a remote control to track their responses on multiple choice quizzes, questions at the beginning of class, as well as sending their um, reading assignments over the internet every day as an email attachment, because I know that they are always connected. So why not being also connected with the Spanish? Uh, and instead of saying, okay, here's what you have to do, uh, actually send them what they have to do and uh, in the hopes that they will actually uh, pay attention to that. And uh, I, I found out that the, the reading attachments really increased. Uh, those two groups increased uh, their um, accuracy and responses. They got better scores on all the quizzes they performed, as opposed to those who use the clicker. So I'm getting the conclusion that um, technology shouldn't be flashy or, uh, or flashy, or how can I say, like um, uh, appealing or just uh, something new. But it has to has some use. So the eye clicker was uh, fine at the beginning uh, while we were uh, with the novelty, but it didn't really force them to to get higher scores like if it were in a video game or something like that. That was my hope, but they didn't take it like that. Now, you, I know I know you're working on a book, a verb book, right? As well. Yes, uh, I've been working uh, in a in a book on verb conjugations. And uh, yeah, I was trying to extract all the patterns and irregularities of uh, the most frequent verbs in the Spanish language. And I got that with uh, about 50, 52 rules, you can explain absolutely all the regularities of, of all these verbs. And uh, I'm using like color codes to identify all these patterns. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to finish that, that work, yeah. Then I, I know there's a, uh... This house, this Casa Encantada that everybody should visit, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Remember the Casa yeah. Encantada? This, this little reader that uh, uh, that Juan Pablo and I are working on, and uh, it's a fascinating book. And then and another book that uh, I had the pleasure to have Juan Pablo be my co-author was uh, a good old-fashioned Spanish grammar book for level one. And mm -hmm. uh, he's also helping me with the book on Garcia Lorca. So uh, uh, I'm very honored to have you help me in the books and um, some fun books that, that Juan Pablo's collaborated with me on. Um, Juan Pablo, what would you advice would you give young teachers out there who people who want to be teachers? Uh, what would you tell them about being a language teacher, a Spanish teacher, or a French teacher, German? If you had to make a a, a general uh, summation. Mm -hmm. Why should uh, why would people really like teaching a language? Mm -hmm. I think the, the main recommendation to them would be just enjoy. You are with a group of uh, young humans. Uh, they are uh, trying to learn about the language and the culture. Just enjoy the experience. And if there is something that comes out into the classroom and it's a learning opportunity, just break the dynamic, just break whatever you have in mind and share that experience with them because uh, I think ultimately get them motivated and interested in the language it's better in the long run so it's not I think it's not uh, better to focus on I really need to teach them program perfect because there are some <laughs> specific stages yeah. that will take time so sometimes even uh, no matter how much you emphasize a specific grammar point they will eventually uh, get it as long as they keep practicing, as long as they keep studying. So that should be uh, the, the main goal. And um, sometimes it happens in my classes that they, they are wondering, why, what, what is happening in that scene? Or, or why do they say this in the text? And if there is an opportunity to talk about it, just take the opportunity. Don't worry about, okay, I should cover also the imperfect way, so what is going on here? Um, and I would say just enjoy. At the beginning, my first years, I was really nervous when I was entering the classroom. But the students really behaved very well uh, at the college level. So just enjoy the, the experience and teaching with them. 
I think another piece that's really fun to do to explore the cultural aspects of any language is the use of some of their refranes or sayings. For example, in classes that I have, on a daily basis mm -hmm. when I have them, I give them a refrain and see if they can make the connection. In the case of take it easy, that would be one way in English to say it, but no se conquistó Zamora en una hora would give them an idea. Well, what's that all about? What does fighting have to do with anything? And then you say, well, Zamora wasn't conquered in an hour. What do you think that means? And have them make that connection. I love doing that. And uh, it really expands them quite a bit. Or te conozco, Mosco, I know what you're up to, things of that mm -hmm. sort. Or uh, me estás tomando el pelo. I think Tom used that in another example. Uh, you're pulling my hair instead of pulling my leg. And it mm -hmm. gives people a better idea as to where the reality of the language comes in. And I would imagine that's linguistically um, important as well. Well, there, I was just thinking of some, some modismos mexicanos. Uh, one of them is uh, uh, me, me pasaron por un tubo. <laughs> <laughs> and it means that people just didn't, they ignored you and passed, didn't pay attention to you, right? And uh, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of fun little And fun each country has its own way of dealing with it. Each one yeah. of our Latin American neighbors has special things that uh, are unique to that particular culture. So that could also be incorporated uh, in a class. Lots one, to do. Is there one in Spain that we should know about, uh, Juan Pablo, some uh, modismo that really is fun? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but uh, I'm thinking now the, the students who did the play animation this semester, I mentioned once in class, Tener uh, Pájaros en la Cabeza, and they used it in a video. I, it wasn't part of the lesson plan, but they really enjoyed it in class. Translate, how would you and, uh, translate that in English? Tener Pájaros en la Cabeza. Uh, thinking of uh, other things, or yeah, kind of being absent-minded, or something like that. Like, uh, too many things at the same time. And uh, these, or, or being absent and not paying attention to what I'm talking so about. So, th thinking of other things, right? Right. And, yeah. And okay. also, the, these modismos change. Some remain classics, but then as people change, become more mature uh, in different decades, these modismos change as well. So, to learn the, mm -hmm. the latest slang and jargon, I think, is wonderful for for young people to learn, but that means that these transnational teachers have to keep up with things and, and yeah. be on their toes and travel with Tom and Juan Pablo to these places around the world mm -hmm. so that they can learn everything. Um, so, okay, um, we thank Juan Pablo immensely for being with us today, and it was just wonderful having you on the show, Juan Pablo. And Thanks for the invitation. Well, you're so welcome, and we are just so happy you were able to share time with us. And I'm happy for the listeners that you got to hear this wonderful Spanish professor uh, with his ideas on creativity, teaching strategies, and culture teaching, and, and the situation in Spain, and, and all kinds of uh, wonderful ideas on just a, 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 a huge amount of items that we covered. Uh, and uh, he and is if, just if, an if Tom, teacher yep. person. So... I have one question, though, Tom. Could I just ask, if anybody wants to get in touch with Juan Pablo uh, by email, how would they do that? Because they might be interested in taking a class with him or learning a bit more about linguistics, something like that. Good. Tell uh, us how we can contact you. Juan Pablo, what is your email address? Okay, that would be jprodrig, R-O-D-R-I-G, at butler.edu. Wonderful. Wonderful. J-P... Rodrigue, R-O-D-R-I-G. At. U. Is there a U there, too? No. Oh, just R-O-D-R-I-G. No, just the G. R -O -D -R -I -G at butler.edu. Okay. Yeah, um, so we will see everybody back here in a couple of weeks, and we're going to have another show. Indianapolis, where I'm from, we, we are excited because our basketball team beat the Miami Heat last night in Miami. Uh, and we actually beat the team that has Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and these wonderful players. So we're all excited in Indy, and uh, our next game is uh, tomorrow night here in Indianapolis. So and Tom uh, will be there. Tom will be there cheering them be on. 
I'm, I'm a, a basketball fanatic. So uh, follow the Pacers, too. And, and if uh, you want to get a hold of Juan Pablo, send him an email. Uh, you can look him up at the Butler website as well. Also, and, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, Tom, where do they get in touch with you? Tallsop at indie.rr.com. Tallsop at indie.rr.com. And uh, as I mentioned, we are going to have a live broadcast for you from Madrid and España. And in uh, about a month, we'll be in Madrid. And uh, but we will be back in two weeks with another great show. And I hope you join us. And uh, Marge, anything else to say from sunny Colorado? From else? sunny Colorado, I would like to say muchas gracias por su paciencia, because we did uh, have a glitch or two with the enanitos here wreaking havoc on uh, our machinery. But basically, everything is fine now. I'm really thankful. I feel very, very, that we're very blessed to have uh, spoken with Juan Pablo today. He gave me so many new ideas, and I hope our listeners have that same experience. And of course, Tom, Tom is always there to provide opportunities for us to uh, learn more things about how to connect with people. After all, language is all about people. So... Now we're going to escuchar a Alejandro Fernandez, Canta Corazón, and we're going to close our program and uh, have a wonderful week. Que pasen una semana fabulosa. And uh, we'll see you in, a, in uh, two weeks from two today. Two weeks from okay? today. And Paso you can hear us. En Avon, Diaz, en Colorado. And who else? Quien sabe donde vamos a estar. Sabradios. Dos semanas. Okay. All right. Take care. Un fuerte abrazo para All right. todos. To okay. both of you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This is the online radio voice of the University of Colorado here in magnificent Colorado Springs at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak. Thank you so much, Tom. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.